not every audience size needs to be a million. You don't need to be a podcaster that does a million downloads a month or a year or whatever. If you can build a curated, dedicated audience, a hundred people, a thousand people, 10,000 people, whatever the number is, if you can get that and capture them and make them engaged beyond the audio, dude, you're winning more than most of these people that have millions and millions and millions of subscribers. So that's the the big thing to to know when going in. It's the long game. And just because you're not hitting a million downloads or whatever the number is in your head, doesn't mean you can't be successful. Mm-hmm. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Real Estate Law Podcast. Jason Muth here with Straightforward Short-Term Rentals. Rory Gill, our tech support guy and real estate broker and attorney. Rory, of course, with this episode, this is why my microphone doesn't work, right? We got Will Slickers on from the network. We just joined Hospitality.fm, you know, put on a good suit. Of course, I have my nice t-shirt on and uh, I'm on my AirPods. Like, what, what the heck? So... We're just demonstrating what it takes to be a professional podcast as part of a professional uh, network. Um, when we're interviewing Will, is, does that make Will our boss now, Jason? I think I think so. I think Will's in charge, right? He's he's nodding no. I don't believe in bosses. We're nope. we're not we're not in that relationship. We're we're Batman and Batman fighting together. You know, there's no <laughs> Batman and Robin. No, none of that. We're just Batman and Batman. Let's go. Oh, uh, Will Slickers is here, the one and only incomparable Will. I I mean. We, he's been on the main stage at many, many conferences, and he's got this great podcast network, Hospitality.fm. He is a short-term rentals operator himself. When we were planning this, like you're like, oh, I'm not much of a real estate guy, so I don't really know what I could add there. And I'm like, what? Like, wait a second. But I see you at real estate conferences. Like, you co-host properties. You are a real estate guy, Will. I always look at the real estate guys as the people that are putting the cash down, they're buying, they're going through all the banking, the lending, the everything and i'm i'm just the guy that helps make sure the housekeeping you know shows up on time and the guests get checked in. oh my god that's not just that n- nobody is ne- is ever just a just right yeah but now the real estate guys have no money like they have net worth they have no cash right they keep moving their money around that's what they do that's what we do oh <laughs> maybe i don't want to go into that <laughs> so we're really grateful to have will on the podcast today i want to talk about hospitality.fm uh, which is your baby, and you do such an amazing job with it. It's such a great curated uh, list of podcasts, and the the company itself is growing, so you'll have to kind of get into that for a little bit. Rory, I want to talk with Will about just podcasting in general, too, and brand building with it, because how often do we get asked about podcasting these days? No, it's funny. I mean, part of doing the podcast is to generate more questions uh, in coming to us about real estate and about investing. But it seems to generate a lot of uh, curiosity about podcasting, what that entails, how it works, um, and how you monetize it. Yeah, I think that's the uh, that's the golden question right there. And you know, some people think they have the answer. Some people do a fantastic job with it. But we can't all be Joe Rogan. But you know, Will Will Slickers, you're you're kind of next in line, right? With 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 that title. And you're the one that has all the riches and all the answers. So welcome to the Real Estate Law Podcast. I'm pumped to be here. Thank you guys for, for having me. I do love your guys' podcasts. Uh, once you and I got to connect, Jason, a little bit, I did more backlogging of some past episodes. And okay. you guys just have great banter. I love the 
this back and forth. You guys do bring a lot of good knowledge. So I have learned some stuff, even though I'm not a real estate guy, as I say, but I'm excited to be here and geek out with you guys. So thanks for, <laughs> thanks for taking the time and having me on. Oh no. Thank, thank you for, uh, for taking us up on the invite. You know, I'm like, well, you got to get on. He's like, I don't know what I could add. I'm like, we, we could talk for a long time. I mean, like you could probably banter on stage for three hours straight. Right. And not really have, you know, cue cards or anything. I've seen you on stage. I've been to conferences. We were just at a STR wealth conference back in February in Nashville. And suddenly you're on stage with Julie George. Like how, how do things like that happen? Uh, lots and lots of years of networking, relationship building. But then also I feel like I was lucky enough to be in that early days crowd during COVID that got onto Clubhouse really soon before everybody else did. And then, you know, Bill Faith, Mike Shogren, Julie, and a few of us were kind of the only operators or, or industry folk on Clubhouse. And then it was like two, maybe three, four weeks later where everyone started getting on and then it was just like this flood and we all built a community through there and then you know got to have the opportunity to work with bill on his podcast and mike and theirs and then yeah they were like hey we uh did this conference last year obviously you attended and then they approached me and said we were on stage a lot and we didn't get a lot of time to interact with everyone who was attending whether they're friends or they're new or they're listeners or they just discovered it through you know, a Facebook group or whatever. And we want more time to do that. So do you want to co-host with Julie? And I was like, with Julie? Yeah. Anytime, any day, I don't care. I'll pay to be there. So we had a really good conversation with it and yeah, had a lot of fun. So hopefully we'll come back, you know, next year. Yeah. If, if the reviews were good, I don't remember getting a survey afterwards. So, oh, you know, God. the reviews definitely are good, right? There's, yeah, there's no 100%. way to serve. They weren't the automatic five star. <laughs> Um, so, so clubhouse, that's interesting that that's how you all came together. And I think I did hear Mike talking about clubhouse as well. Mike, Mike Sodron, um, Rory, remember clubhouse, like back when we were kind of kicking around there as well, a little bit, those were a fun couple of weeks. They really were. <laughs> Are you still on there? Will? No, I haven't opened that app in probably a year and a half, two years almost. It, it was really popular the first few months of COVID and then I think the moment they opened up the Android non-invite type situation, right? Like it was invite only, iPhone only. Uh, not that I had anything to do with it, but I just it was way more intimate, right? And then so you could be in a room full of people that just were dropping knowledge bombs after knowledge bombs. And then eventually, you know, the floodgates open and then you're sitting there listening to a room about real estate or short-term rentals or hospitality. And you got 20,000 people saying, hi, my name's so-and-so, I'm done speaking Oh, to rephrase for all those who rejoined the room. Hey, this is what we're talking about. Like resetting the room. I hated that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. Once all that stuff started happening, I was immediately tuned out. Yeah. But you, you, but you were on there and you found the tribe. Like that was the key. That was the big win. Yeah. That was a great win. Especially none of us had anything to do. And to give some backstory too, I just quit my hotel management job to go podcast full time. And then COVID hit. So I was maybe three months in this full-time gig and hadn't literally lost every guest, every sponsor. And then was just, uh, I got activated for the national guard, which is a whole nother long story. But, um, yeah, I basically had to restart and that was kind of my ability to, I think once we had co or not COVID, once we had clubhouse that opened up the community aspect a lot more than zoom and all this other stuff. And then I think the world slowly started to open up and that's when those relationships really took, 
you know, a hold in power and started meeting in person and talking more. And Julie George and I like talked like every day on WhatsApp, we'd be on the phone and going back and forth for hours on all this stuff. And so, yeah, it just really unlocked a lot of, uh, it unlocked a good amount of certainty during an uncertain time. I would say like, that was where you're like, okay, there's breath still in the industry. This isn't over and we're not done and we're not dead and we're not moving, you're moving on to a new place. So yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a good opportunity. Good champ. Good time to, yeah, get all your, your stuff together. Rory and I remember that time vividly. We we took off from Boston and went up to one of our short-term rentals for a few months because it was the slow season in New Hampshire. We call it mud season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a song out uh, by Noah Kahn. Is that his name? Uh, Stick Season. He's from Vermont. Um, I think Stick Season and Mud Season, I think they're about the same thing. It's like where there's nothing going on. No leaves in the trees. Like There's no snow. It's just quite a wet. No one's renting your places, which is fine. But we went up there because we thought they were going to close Boston down. Like, we're like, we're out of here. Like, let's get out of our condo in the city. Let's go up to to the place. We were there for a couple months at a bunch of projects. We saw all of our rentals, all our bookings disappear, you know, overnight. Yep. Like, boom, gone. And we're like, Rory's business. Remember that? Everything in the pipeline evaporated in the immediate sense. But, you know, I've, yeah. I've used the same analogy where when lightning strikes a tree and you know burns down part of a forest like more trees grow out of the ground and i think that's kind of what's happened with the you know our rentals went bonkers afterward um you know the community that you built on clubhouse that you eventually got to meet in person has turned into what i'm guessing are lifelong friendships amazing partnerships i've gotten a taste of that business when i kind of jumped into this world beyond it being a side hustle about a year ago and I got thrust into it, you know, and I told you the story of meeting Julie George at the pool in Miami yeah. and like, you know, boom, fast friends afterward. Right. You know, yeah. so, you know, I've, I met Bill for the first time in the pool. I met Julie at the pool. You know, it's, it's, it's a crazy world of, of folks. And I love the short-term rental community because everybody boosts each other up. No one's looking to edge out other people from opportunities. They just want each other to be successful because we all can. And you've probably gathered that also in in your business. I mean, you, as not a real estate guy, you ha- you're co-hosting how many properties? I think we're almost at 15. I, I Like I said, before we hit recording at 14 or 15, we've caught a couple, we're adding a couple new ones. So it's kind of luxing. We're, mm-hmm. we're in that range, building muscle. Right. I mean, you say you're not a real estate guy, but here we are talking about Jason's favorite subject, short-term rentals, but you come at it from the hospitality business and- this short-term rentals really is an amalgam of the two different fields coming together. You know, as somebody who comes from the hospitality industry and who has that expertise, how do you run your short-term rentals differently than, say, one of us who comes from real estate or somebody who's just an amateur in the space? Yeah, I would say the biggest maybe differentiator or kind of approach that we have with with this is that both my business partner and I, for our management company, we come from traditional hotels, Marriott. I started at front desk at a autograph collection, 716 rooms, three bars, huge ballrooms and event space, like valet room service, you name it, wore a suit and tie every day. Mr. And Mrs. Smith, welcome to the hotel, blah, blah, blah. Loved it. I felt that's where I fell in love with it. And with short-term rentals, when we got exposed to it, you know, it was kind of that perfect timing. It was 20, I think 2017 when I kind of started dabbling 2018, when I realized, okay, this is like 100% a legit way to scale a hospitality business without having the money to go put down to buy a hotel or to go do that type of project, which is something I've always wanted to do. 
So getting exposed to short-term rentals, Airbnb was great because our approach has been a hundred percent in the sense of every home as a hotel. We, we standardize everything from the linen, the amenities, the soap, shampoos, kitchen amenities, you name it. We make sure that every home, if it has a pool, they all have a certain standard of, you know, tables and chairs and floaties and toys and all the other stuff. If we have a kitchen, they're fully stocked. And when we say fully stocked, not like four forks, four spoons, four knives, four plates, four cups, like legit fully stocked with anything and everything you could want. We have waffle makers, deeper, uh, where those things I don't use them, but, um, air fryers, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing, espresso machines you name it. We want to make sure that all of our guests have a consistent stay, no matter how different the home is. If they stay with us in Florida, Pennsylvania, or Washington, which is where all our properties are. So that's kind of our, our hope and dream is that we build a brand, we build consistency. And then yet we also have the ability to add hospitality with being a remote managed company rather than just focusing on the numbers. Mm-hmm. So definitely a little bit of different approach, but still very, very hospitality focused. So, you know, with the hospitality focus, you know, how does that shape your communications with the guests? Because I think that's a part that often goes unsaid. Like, how do you communicate the guests with the guests that might be in a different way than somebody who is a lawyer or real estate uh, agent asking for a friend who might be a little bit drier in their approach? Great question. My training through Marriott in the early days was around, you know, saying the guest name three times, you know, making sure that they're a repeat guest, welcoming them back. If they're a Bonvoy member, congrats, or, you know, saying thank you for being a member and we value that relationship, X, Y, and Z. So taking that, my approach when we create our messaging templates, we don't do a lot of manual messaging anymore because we've gotten pretty refined into expecting what the guests are going to ask when it comes to the pool the, you know, the check-in that we get asked every day now, can I check in early? Can I check in? Can I have a late checkout? Yep. 50 bucks. Here's the link. Boom, boom, boom. Um, but anyways, when we build these templates, we very much approached it with a personal approach where it's not, here's bullet points. Like, yeah, we do have some bullet points, like here's your guidebook. Here's your, you know, blah, blah, blah. You'll get this 24 hours before, but we add like emojis and customizations and things that people are already used to seeing with like text messages with friends. Cause we want them to feel that we aren't just like this serious brand who's here to provide hospitality and get you checked in and checked out. Like, no, we want you to have fun. We want you to have your vacation. You know, a lot of our homes are in Florida. So of course, Disney world and all that stuff is a big part of it. People asking for tickets and the best places to go for food. And so we just tried as much as possible to make it human focused rather than template here's your information don't contact me if you have any questions you know like we want to just be as open as possible let the conversation come in as needed but really just give them everything they need to feel comfortable and safe with our homes and just pick these markets first owners or investors that we started working with basically picked them for us because Mm -hmm. my our first property was my parents um like natalie palmer her and i have a very similar story parents kind of like had this long-term rental didn't know what to do with it because it wasn't making them good money heard about Airbnb, asked us to do it. We did it. And here we are. Um, but basically worked with my parents. We signed up for Vintory and Vintory is a email and a owner marketing platform where we can gain more ownership contracts or management contracts. And we got a couple properties within Washington state that really helped us kind of show prove a concept beyond my parents' place because some of the owners like, oh, you're a new company. We don't really know you. Can we get a reference? That's not your parents. And I was like, yeah, let us get some more clients and then we'll give you a reference. So we did. 
And then a couple of those owners bought a property in Florida. And then once they bought property in Florida, their friends wanted to buy in Florida. So then they recommended us to their friends and then their friends bought in Pennsylvania. And then we have one person who was a guest on the podcast, uh, on my show, who called me up like three years later and was like, Hey, we have this property in Britannia, Canada, near Vancouver, BC. Do you want to take it? I don't want it anymore. And I was like, why do you not want it? Because it looks great. Is it a nightmare? And he was like, no, it's honestly, I'm moving on. I'm, I'm buying a hotel. Da, 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 da. So then we got that property through that. Mm-hmm. So kind of a, just a natural referral. We barely put any money into marketing outside of kind of the natural network. That's how it happens. That's how it builds up. How did you get all the owners to standardize? You mentioned that everyone's using the same sheets and air fryers and pool noodles and whatever else. Like, do you say, here's your list of things you have to buy? We used to, and then we got so much pushback and it kept delaying onboarding and photos and all the fun stuff that go into creating a listing and in, inside of our property management software. And so basically we've taken on the the risk. So we buy everything. We have our standard list from uh, host GPO. We buy it and then we take a basically a payment plan uh, repayment. And if the owner wants to keep it, because if they're like, hey, I'm only doing this for a year or two years, whatever the you know case may be, probably obviously a little bit longer, then they can purchase it through us, you know, kind of gaining more money out of their monthly payouts, or we just take that cost. And then when they quit or we fire them or move on, whatever the case may be, we just take everything out and then we send it to the next home. Ah, there's, it's, it's almost like a little, a little bit of, um, arbitrage there, right? Like you're kind of, um, you're not renting the houses, but you're you're supplying the goods inside it, and then you kind of move those goods to another place if the relationship changes. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been nice because it just it guarantees us to know, especially with our cleaners and our maintenance staff or anybody else that we kind of contract out. We don't have to guess like, hey, I think this house had this last time I was there, but like we just know what's in the home because we bought it, we have the list curated in our in our back end. And we don't need to, if we replace something like we use safely insurance for, mm-hmm. um, all of our reservations. So if like something breaks or gets damaged, like we'll use that and, you know, replace it. But outside of that, it's just kind of keeping track of that and making sure that we don't have owners slowing us down on onboarding. So that's, uh, been the biggest thing that we just realized was too much of a headache. We'd rather eat the cost than take five months to get a property online because they don't want to put the money up front. Right, right. Instead, you know, here's our list. We activate the list. All the stuff's going to show up uh, and we're going to be live sooner, basically, is kind of what you're saying, which is a, a great, great plan. Um, yeah, these are really interesting tips for co-hosting. I really think we dig into this as much. Do you want to plug your company a little bit? What's the name of the company? Yeah, happy to plug it. It's uh, Recreation Vacation Rentals or just Recreation Rentals. Try to keep it simple, but our kind of approach is modern hospitality by bringing hotel luxury to short-term rentals. Um, so that's basically the the concept. A lot of our homes are in areas that you can be active and outdoors, whether it's camping or hiking or going to the lake, canoeing, or just beautiful sightseeing outside on the front porch, having a cup of coffee in the morning. Um, that's kind of our approach. We want people to have the ability to feel remote, but also the comforts of home. That's actually an interesting segue. Well, two things. Segue in a yeah. second. But... Um, most people aren't approaching short-term rentals from your angle, from the hospitality side. I mean, they learn the hospitality. They learn it's a hospitality business. But I would argue most people that get into this thing 
they do it because their friends are doing it or they have a property that they think they can make money on or they're a real estate investor and they want to diversify their holdings. But they don't necessarily, they weren't, you know, working at a 700 uh, room hotel at the front desk, dressed to the nines, dealing with guests all day long. Um, maybe the people that you interact with came from that angle, but I haven't met too many people that have come from that hospitality side as deeply as you have. Yeah, it's it's a smaller group for sure. Um, I I kind of felt a little out of place. I, I'll admit, you know, getting to meet the Mike Shogrins and getting to meet the Bill Face and the the Julie Georges of the world because it was like, oh wow, like you guys have figured it out the hospitality side later. Obviously, I think a lot of them knew like we need five star reviews, we need blah 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 in order to be successful. But the just the the experience and the approach that I think hospitality experience or like working with Marriott and independent brands through that, it just, it gives such a different, I think, uh, perspective when it comes to people. Cause at the end of the day, this is a people business. Like it is a, it's a mix. Short-term rentals is a perfect marriage as Rory, I think you said this, a perfect marriage of hospitality and real estate joining together. It is a part of the big hospitality pie, but it's also a big part of the short-term rental or sorry, not the short-term rental, the real estate pie. So it's kind of like two pieces of pie merging together for one big pie. But anyways, yeah, it's, um, I don't know. There's just not been a lot of people that I've met that have had traditional hotel experience prior to joining this segment of the industry. Right. And, and you cover a lot of these things on, you know, one of your podcasts, Good Morning Hospitality. I, I heard you talking recently, I think it was probably the most recent episode about Amex getting involved in this game, right? Um, where you have these massive, massive multi-billion dollar companies that see an opportunity to connect their audience with short-term rentals. Um, you know, I only think it's going to grow, it's going to grow competition, but it's going to grow the category as well. A hundred percent. So the other segue I wanted to make was to some of the podcasts that are on hospitality.fm. First, tell us about the network. What is hospitality.fm? Yeah. If you want to hear the story on how it all started, I can give you the short version that won't hopefully bore anybody listening. But um, as I said earlier, quit my hotel job to go podcast full time. COVID hit. I was like, what the hell am I going to do? Went into the National well, not went to the National Guard. The National Guard called me up, said, hey, you're activated. You're going to go test all these people for COVID. And I was on orders for seven months, probably three months in business in the podcast took up again. And immediately I was drowning in podcast requests and knew that things were going to be fine. So after I got off orders, I decided not to re-enlist. I could have had the opportunity to go in a higher ranking into other stuff, but I wanted to make sure that I gave my full commitment to the business and in 2021, I went to San Antonio VRMA and it was, if for those who don't know, VRMA is a vacation rental management association. And it's a little bit of an old school organization in my opinion, but at the end of the day, a lot of the bigger players, you know, they, they roam the halls of that organization very much. And so for me, I was there one meeting everyone that I've got to meet on clubhouse on LinkedIn. It was just so excited to meet people in person again. And I remember the first day. I basically sat down, I had ordered a pizza. I was starving. I was like, okay, like I need to eat before I talk to anybody. But then it's in the hotel lobby of the bar. So everyone that's checked in for the conference is now there. And I basically got approached by a line of podcasters and then a line of sponsors. And the podcasters were asking the same questions that you guys probably get asked. How do you monetize? How do you grow? How do you do this? How do you do that? Blah, blah, blah. 
And then the podcast or the sponsors were going, how do we give you money? We basically want to sponsor your show. And I was like, well, I'm booked. Like I'm, I was making, you know, a good monthly amount. I maybe won't say the number on, on here, but we can talk about it later, but I was making, you know, good four figure. Yeah. Four figure higher four figures, maybe five figures. Yeah. Per month. And it was like, okay, this is, this is obviously going to the last, but I was turning down more revenue. So seeing turning down more revenue and then having the same questions, making the amount of money that I was making, I was like, I can hire some people. We can merge these two groups together, get the sponsors on audience fits that are similar to mine or that they want. And then I can help these podcasters streamline their production, their editing, their sponsorship revenue goals, and like their media plan basically. And that was kind of the, the start of Hospitality FM. We signed like six podcasts right then and there. Two of them were mine. So doesn't really count. So four podcasts right <laughs> then and there. And, and then immediately the moment we launched, all six of us were monetized and, and kicking off. And, um, it was a different time, obviously 2021, I think, uh, tech companies had a a lot more, a lot more to spend due to the amount of funding that came into the industry. But, um, long story short is that was kind of the light bulb moment was at VRMA in 2021. Yeah. I picture you almost like in the Godfather, like you're just sitting there in this restaurant, you got all these people coming up to you, kissing the ring, one, one ring of sponsors, one ring of, uh, you know, how do I podcast? Yeah. That's basically what it felt. And it was weird. Cause like literally both lines of people were at at that table at the same time. So it was like, we want to give you money. How do we sponsor Slick Talk? How do we sponsor GMH? And then the line of podcasters like, how do we get that? Like, we want a line of people sitting down in front of us as we're trying to eat pizza to like give us money. And it was, it was crazy. But, you know, I, I, again, I think I got very lucky that, you know, 2018, when I started my first podcast, I didn't expect it to go full time. I was just doing out of boredom. I wanted to learn. I'm not good at school. So best way to learn was through conversation with me. And that was, that was the only reason why I created it. I didn't expect anyone to listen. And I was like, I saw five listeners one day, like the, after the second episode with hell or something like that, I was like, sweet, my mom, myself, and maybe three other people that I know on Facebook are listening. So yeah, it's just, it's been a crazy, crazy ride. Yeah. Allow me to ask a couple of questions that we get a lot and you probably got a lot at that particular table. Um, yeah. You know, starting with just like, you know, why do people podcast? What's the point? Uh, it could be a lot of points. I don't think there's one kind of goal to answer to that. My point in 2018 was I was bored and I wanted to learn and I wasn't getting mentorship at the hotel that I was working at. So my figuring was, hey, at least ask good questions that I'm curious about and not have to worry about people doing it. But how can I get these people that have been in the industry for 20 years to talk to me when I've only been in the industry for like three, right? So I'll get a microphone and put it in front of their face and say, Hey, let me ask you a couple questions and put it out on the, on the public, you know, web. And that was my reasoning. I know a lot of people do it for growth of the brand. So whether it's personal or a business brand, I know people do it for community and the sake of, I want to find other people like me who are interested in these topics and conversations and, you know, interesting and creative concepts. Uh, there's so many reasons to get into podcasting. It, it's a great medium. Uh, my personal opinion I could be wrong, but I'm not open to hearing it because I'm pretty, pretty strong of my opinion. I'm just kidding for anyone listening. I'm open to anything. Um, but my opinion is that the power of audio is way stronger than the power of video. Now this may sound controversial 
all of our shows or at least most of our shows are also on YouTube and you know other streaming platforms. But I think the ability to hit someone when they have an earpod in their ear versus having to have them have a phone or a computer is a lot better. I've had literally a guest in 2019 on my podcast when it started taking off, I was getting ready to go full time. A hotel revenue manager emailed me and he said, Hey, I love the podcast. I love this episode that you did with so-and-so. I listen every other day when I'm swimming laps in my pool. And he, I was confused at that line. I was like, you listen while swimming laps. And he's like, da 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 i have waterproof headphones so it makes a great uh it makes it a great activity to like do while i'm swimming so that was just like okay i can't hit someone while they're swimming laps on youtube if they, they can't swim laps and have their phone in front of them so i think the power of audio the, the medium of podcasting is just so powerful and deep and very personal when people have you in their ear pods or headphones or wherever for hours a week or however many hours a month that's that's pretty intimate. If you don't, uh, I don't know. I think it's pretty intimate. If I have someone speaking into my ear that long, um, I feel like I would kind of get to know them a little bit and feel comfortable with their voice. And you know, that whole relationship builds there. So yeah, there's just so much that goes into it. So I know I'm rambling, but yeah, yeah that's, that's like, that's a, a good reason for podcasting. Coming from the radio background that I have, you know, for a couple decades, Podcasting is a natural segue for a lot of people in the audio space. Um, you know, radio had been professed to die, be dead for many, many, many decades in the past. And like, it's this survivor. It just keeps surviving. Talk radio is what's really working. You know, sports radio, talk radio, leaning into conversations is, is something that you can't get by, you know, putting on a Spotify playlist. And, you know, some of the music stations and formats are kind of going away um, and the talk formats are thriving a little bit more of late. And the, the radio industry is trying to figure out podcasting. They're still trying to figure out podcasting. You know, when I left the radio industry, we were still trying to figure out podcasting because um, it sounds like a natural thing that radio people can do, right? But if you can't move your audience or monetize your audience, it doesn't work. That is just an expensive hobby. Meanwhile, a lot of people on the podcasting side that we're not part of radio came in with these charismatic personalities or great things to say. And they took a lot of the oral bandwidth away from people on the radio side that probably should have had that in the first place. You know, radio was a bit of a gatekeeper. Like if you were on the air or not on the air, you know, that was the dividing line. But podcasting is the ultimate um, like equalizer. Anyone can do it, right? Anyone could like grab a microphone, assuming it works, which mine didn't today or grab a Zoom and start to talk. And then if you're able to find an audience through who you already, you know, who already follows you or through some smart digital marketing, then you could have as much influence as those radio people have had for, for so long, which is kind of the angle that you took because you don't have any broadcasting experience, right? You took this as something brand new that you wanted to learn. Um, and a lot of times, I mean, you've been to the podcasting conferences too, and we know a lot of the same people that are at those conferences, uh, you know, a lot of those people are coming into it brand new and had nothing to do with radio and they just kill it at podcasting because they're really good at storytelling, building an audience, building their own brand and, you know, getting people to lean into a conversation. You know, it is not a background medium, right? Like, you know, you can't just put it on and, you know, do really deep thinking things. Like I can't listen to audiobooks or podcasts while I'm really thinking or writing. Uh, this is me. You know, I have to do it while I'm driving and mentally not thinking about anything else. So then it takes 
your attention and it captivates it, right? Which I think has been one cool thing about podcasting. Um, we do get the question a lot about how to start, right? I'm sure you get the question all the time from that long line of people, you know, at the conference. We just got the question yesterday. That could be a long, 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 long conversation. The short of it that I explained to this person was like, it's easy to start. It's hard to keep it going, right? 100%. What advice do you have to people that are looking to start that podcast, build their brand, build their credibility from the start? Like they're all ambitious. They're rolling their sleeves up. They got their name. You know, they, they know what the podcast is going to be. They have that intro episode. Why am I even doing this in the first place? What next? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things to be said. I'll try to keep it short and sweet for actionable, you know, value for anyone listening. But in twenty eighteen, when people were asking me how I started, I literally told them I bought a ten dollar mic off of Amazon. I went on anchor.fm and that was it. I hired someone on Fiverr for ten bucks to make my intro and outro. Um that was that was very much it. Very basic. Even with that ten dollar mic, the audio quality sucked. I had no idea how to record. Uh, I was on Skype and then I went to Zoom and then I tried using like the Anchor app and all this other stuff. And it was just all bad quality. But that time, that age of podcasting, I think a lot of people could have gotten away with that. As long as the content was good. It's like, okay, I can handle the poor audio quality for a good conversation. Now, today, 2023, I think it's a higher barrier to entry, just like short-term rentals, I think is a higher barrier to entry now than it was in 2018, 2019 or even 2020 during COVID. And that barrier to entry is audio quality has to has to be good. 100% has to be great. And then I think you need to come in, like you said, Jason, the, the getting started part is easy. It's fun. But when you don't see the instant result of a million downloads or a hundred downloads, immediately people get defeated and they're like, ah, oh, podcasting is too, but podcasting is not for me. So they quit. The most podcasts, I think it's like the new stat, two years ago was a lot different, but this year I think it's gone up like 60% of podcasters that are on Apple podcast specifically never got past 10 episodes, never got past 10. So that's 10 weeks of their life of saying, if you, maybe you publish once a week, that's 10 weeks of someone's life that they just never are going to get back. Cause they took 10 weeks of podcast and they gave up when, you know, I think a lot of people started podcasts, they immediately hear the monetization, the sponsorship, the the influencers on Instagram who are, hey, I'm Mr. Beast and go check out Shopify because blah, 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 blah. Like that's an attractive lifestyle. It's a lot of attention, you know, all this other stuff. Podcasting is not like that in the sense of not every show and not every podcast needs to be monetized or should be monetized. And I'll add on to that. Not every audience size needs to be a million. You don't need to be a podcaster that does a million downloads a month or a year or whatever. If you can build a curated, dedicated audience, a hundred people, a thousand people, 10,000 people, whatever the number is, if you can get that and capture them and make them engaged beyond the audio, dude, you're winning more than most of these people that have millions and millions and millions of subscribers. So that's the the big thing to to know when going in. It's the long game and just because you're not hitting a million downloads or whatever the number is in your head doesn't mean you can't be successful mm-hmm. because i got monetized prior to even thinking i don't even think i was hitting ten thousand dollars a month i was like five thousand maybe three thousand and i was almost making over 10 grand a month so like you can really monetize 
differently as long as the audience is curated and specific. You don't need to be this Mr. Beast type creator, podcaster, or Joe Rogan to to really you know grow the money. So hopefully that makes a little bit. Of sense. As an aside, you're going to have to help us with that part because we are there and we're really not making what you're making there. I know that our numbers aren't the same, but you know that'll be a that's what we're working on with Hospitality.fm, right? All these great hundred percent. Yes. Do you know Alex D. D. Filippo? Said his last name. Uh, he runs Wise Odd Match. I yeah had a happy hour podcast meetup thing with him here in Denver a couple months ago. Yeah, great he, guy. Uh, I don't know him personally, but I follow a lot of what he does, and like I'm part of that community. He made a comment. I actually commented on one of his posts recently because he was talking about guesting on somebody's podcast that had just millions of downloads. He thought the phone was going to ring with just you know opportunities. It didn't. And, you know, he said that the podcasts that he goes on that have, you know, smaller, but curated, you know, dedicated audiences turn into more business for him than those bigger ones. And my comment was, well, how many of those people are real, right? Like how many of those big, big numbers are just bots and bought, right? It happens all the time in this world. But yeah, that's interesting about curated communities. And, you know, I think Rory and I, this is, I think, going to be episode 120 that we've made it to. Um, with a whole set scheduled for the rest of this year to record, which is great. You know, we're dedicated to doing this once a week. I'd love to do it more if we could. Um, but you know, time is not. But you know, yeah, I wish I had more more than twenty four hours in the day. Um, but I don't know, Rory. Uh, before each of the five questions, I want to ask you this one: Like, do you do you think we're finally hitting our stride in terms of influence or people who are noticing that we're doing it, or questions that we're getting anecdotally or randomly sent to us by email? Absolutely. And it's amazing just how long it takes to really get to that point. Um, This is not a hobby that you can do and put out a dozen episodes and expect anything to change. It really does take that level of persistence. Um, And for us, it's been years before um, we get recognized in, you know, within the industry, not necessarily as the broker, not as the short-term rental operator, but as the podcasters. Oh, I, you know, I heard your new episode. That was great. It takes a while to get to that point where that's the first thing you hear when you're out networking. Mm-hmm. I should have hit record when we were having this conversation with you know a past guest, Rory. But basically, I said, well, we've interviewed about 100 people in this podcast. We've done probably 20 episodes ourselves. And like I always try to make the guest the star, right? Like I want the guests to feel comfortable, that we welcome them on the podcast, that they get to talk. When I do the transcript afterward, I always see that 60 or 65% of the conversation is the guest speaking. And of course, I'm 25% and Rory's 10. You know, it's always like that because I'm the talker. And he, he says, I'm the talker, but he says the important stuff. But by doing it that, I feel like I have 100 people I can call if I needed to. You know, 100 conversations that I wouldn't have had if I didn't welcome them onto a podcast and then promote it afterward because we make sure that we put out lots of snippets and clips and things like that. Afterward, you've seen a bunch of them recently. You're going to be in a lot of them now uh, once we get those going. And, um, and you know, those... That is something that I look back at 120 episodes and hopefully we'll look back at 220 soon. And and I know those conversations. Like, Rory, how often am I referencing a past podcast guest for you to go back and listen to what they said? I just literally yesterday in the kitchen, you know, I mentioned boom, boom, boom. Like, go listen to that one and that one and that one because it's all in my head. Like, because I, I do so much with it afterward. And sometimes I need to hear it a second time, a third time to really get that value of what what the guest said. Um, it's just such an interesting medium, you know, it doesn't come and go because what's great about recording is that it stays there and people will find past episodes and they'll reference them. Right. 
Anyway, we can go on forever about this. But um, Will, why don't we get to the final couple of questions that we ask of all the guests on the podcast as a way of wrapping up and getting to know you a little bit better. Um, yeah. They're really simple. They're no gotcha questions. Um, and I think you'll be able to answer them very, very easily. So the first one is if you can get on stage for half an hour, talk about any subject in the world with zero preparation, what would that be? Ugh, I wonder. Um, so many potential topics. Uh, no, honestly, I... So this is something I think you guys would find interesting, and I I don't want to answer this one too long, but being in the short-term rental hospitality space, we talk about this stuff day and night. We we can literally probably wake up at 1 a.m. Someone could ask us a short-term rental question. You could be like, uh, answer, answer, answer. Okay, back to sleep. And just like, go, you know, totally out of the blue. But recently I've been thinking a lot about like, okay, what am I passionate about or what do I love outside of this industry? And obviously podcasting is, is one of them, but I also have a, I have a brother with special needs. So that like, is something that's very close to near, dear to my heart. I'm also a very, I've become very more business oriented, looking at other industries, boring businesses, laundromats, vending machines, X, Y, and Z. Like I really find business and leadership and culture, all that stuff really fascinating. So I think to go an answer outside of short term rentals and hospitality podcasting, I would talk about business in general and leadership and how to most likely approach it with a different lens or perspective. That would be my first one. I'd do 30 minutes on stage with. Wow. You ever watch Match Game? You know, I've not. Game show? You've not? Oh, my God. You know, they have a panel of six celebrity guests and the very the, the final question they ask each of the celebrities to give their answer. Then the contestant gets to say, you know, what they think the answer is going to be on the board. And, you know, usually the contestant picks one of those answers that the celebrities say. I would have said those three things that you said, hospitality, podcasting, the third one, but like you went off the board. You went to a different a different one that that was way off the radar. You had to, had to. Second question, uh, tell us something that happened early in your life or career that impacts the way that you're working today. Oof, man, do we have another 30 minutes? Just kidding. I'll keep it short because I talked about this on Avery Carl's podcast uh, earlier this week too. I, I was homeless at 17. I made a bunch of poor, very bad decisions. Partied, drugs, manipulated, lied, stolen, all that stuff. I had just no sense of discipline, no sense of belonging or community. It was just kind of, I chose mayhem every day. I just wanted chaos. And I would say that lifestyle impacted me making the decision to join the military, to get clean, to get you know sober and all that stuff because of how bad my mental health was and my brother who i mentioned on the last uh question uh he and i are twins he has down syndrome and he is the one that pulled me out of that he's the one that when i was getting pulled away in the cop car he came up to me he put his hand on my shoulder he said he loved me and that he's not gonna let me go to jail which i know he couldn't control but the the spirit behind it it really broke me down and i think that moment that decision of getting clean getting sober and like changing my life and the way I was going was the biggest impact I could have probably or biggest decision I probably could have ever made in my life so I'd have to to give that as the answer yeah that's a that's a pretty obvious one also and hopefully that's the rock bottom you know everything is up from there and and look at the amount of lives you've influenced like not just with the work you're doing but you know working for National Guard I mean like you know during those times of COVID um, you know helping keep people healthy uh, and test them yeah. and and, and now you're influencing lots of lives in these great communities of people that, you know, love hanging out with each other. Final question. Tell us something you're listening to or watching or reading these days. I would say, so Build with Rob by Rob Dyrdek. So one of my favorite podcasts, 
I think the guy, the way he thinks, the way he talks, the way he operates is just so fascinating to me. Something I tried to emulate, but am very far from from doing that. And then another one from reading, as I look at my booked stack here, uh, it hasn't arrived yet, but it's this new book, or not new, baby. Um, sorry to pause on you guys. That's why we had it. Post production. Amen. Um, it is. All right. So it is Originals by Adam Grant. So this is a new one that I'm, I listen to the book and read it at the same time because I am so ADHD that if I do just reading, I won't absorb anything. But this is something I'm listening to as I'm waiting for the book, and it's actually been really good. Uh, another good one for any of your listeners or or viewers that are in the creator or podcast space. If you haven't already, get the book Super Fans. This is like the creator podcaster gold. So I recommend it for you too as well. Like it's such a good podcast if you're wanting to read or think and consume stuff around this type of conversation. I saw Rory write that down, so I'm sure that'll be in our Audible very quickly. Um, Will, I know you have a hard stop in just a couple of minutes. Um, where can people find out about you and learn more about uh, all the work you're doing? Yeah, my favorite place is LinkedIn. So find me, Will, with one L, Slickers at LinkedIn, and then also Hospitality.fm. You can find my podcast, your guys' podcasts, all the podcasts there. And if you don't get a hold of me through LinkedIn, the website there is really easy. So. All the links will be in the show notes. We write good show notes. Rory, where can people get a hold of you? If you just go to RoryGill.com, you can see all the different uh, projects I'm working on and different ways that I can help you out. Yep. And if you've enjoyed the episode, if you want to be on the podcast, if you have questions for us, reach out to me, Jason, at nexthometitletown.com. We love five-star reviews. We love comments. So please go right ahead. Will, this has been great. Thumbs up. You didn't. This has been awesome. Thank you. I hope I hope we've been been good hosts, and I hope we uh, represent hospitality.fm well in the many many months and years to come. We're so proud to be part of the network. Uh, as you've seen, your logos everywhere on all of our social media now. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we 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 think it's a really good evolution of what we're doing right here. And you have such an amazing um, slew of hosts and a great mindset. And you know we can't wait to see uh, what the future holds. Yeah, I'm pumped to work with you guys more and. It's just so cool to see what you guys have built and I'm excited to hopefully solve some solve some problems with you and get creative and, and figure out how we can make it make it go bigger and better, you know? So let's uh cheers to moving forward. Awesome. Thank you for being on it. Thank you, Thank you for listening and we will see you next time.